Hi, I'm Maria Ramper, and welcome to this episode of Engineering Reimagined. Over the past two years, the university sector, like so many others, has had to adjust to a new normal. With the onset of COVID-19, international students fled to their home countries, local students were placed in lockdown, and staff were faced with the challenge of recreating their entire curriculum online. At the same time, researchers became integral to finding many of the answers to dealing with this unprecedented pandemic. But with every crisis comes opportunity. And in this episode, Oricon CEO Bill Cox speaks with Vice-Chancellor and President of the University of Queensland, Professor Deborah Terry, about how the challenges faced by the university and the sector as a whole during the pandemic has also provided an opportunity for change. The campus experience is still invaluable, but the way in which students, staff, academics, researchers, industry and the community engage both online and face-to-face, and what the campus will look like into the future could be altered forever. How's the year started for UQ uh, with COVID uh, getting in the way, unfortunately? What's been good for us is that we put in place vaccine requirements and students are back and it's wonderful. I mean, for the first time in two years, you just get a sense of lots of people being around. We had thought we might have 70% of our international students back. We've only got about 50% and the other 50% are studying online still. Our residential colleges are, are basically full and it's lively. You don't realise how much you've missed it until it's back. And uh, one of the, the fundamental things about universities is it's a community within a community. And so uh, having that life back in there again is a uh, stimulating for, for everybody. As an aside, my son Hamish is uh, doing the second year of a computer science degree at the University of New South Wales. And he's literally doing face-to-face lectures again for the first time since he started. Everything last year was pretty much online. Tell me, how are your academic staff and all of the the researchers uh, handling the changes? Are they comfortable to be back or are they sort of, and some of them, a little hesitant uh, for health reasons? For our staff, they feel quite safe to come back. They feel that it's a safe community. To be on campus, you need at least to have had your double dose. So that, I think, has helped in terms of confidence to come back onto campus. But the notion of what our working life looks like into the future is going to change a bit. How do you see it changing the way universities are going to operate into the future? Because we've all learnt a lot about how we can operate in a very different way over the course of the last two years. It's one of the most disruptive events any of us have experienced in living memory for the majority of us. But it was also an accelerant of change. We had to very quickly make the move to online delivery and full marks to all of our colleagues right across the sector and to our students. The response was immediate and everyone pulled together. But I think what we are now looking at, particularly around our teaching and learning, is, well, what does our online presence look like into the future for our graduates and our alumni to remain competitive in the workforce Our graduates are going to have to come dipping in and out of education into the future and they'll need to do that just in time. We are also looking very closely at research. The pandemic did expose 
some gaps in terms of sovereign capability, in terms of our capacity to manufacture products such as vaccines and biologics locally. And I think we will see a lot of engagement of our researchers in those kinds of issues, particularly how we translate and commercialise outcomes from our research. And obviously very pleased to see uh, the big announcement around additional funding to really support research commercialisation here in Australia. In terms of your people's staff, the academic uh, workforce, are you seeing a lot of movement and a lot of change, same as other sectors at the moment, or is it reasonably stable? It's a very hot employment market. We are certainly feeling the impacts of that, particularly in areas such as major project development and and oversight for big digital projects. Those people with those kinds of skills are really in demand. You know, many data scientists, people with those sorts of skills are also in demand. Are you seeing any hesitancy or concern about people wanting to come to Australia because of the way our borders have been managed over the last couple of years? We were certainly very cognizant of that risk because the UK and Canada opened up their borders earlier to international students and that was of concern. Australian higher education still has an extraordinarily strong reputation and we are seeing our students very keen to return but I think it's something we're going to have to watch very carefully. We're certainly not out of the period of uncertainty. Overall our numbers of international students have stayed strong. But I think for them, it really is that full campus experience and everything that comes from living in Australia, studying in another country. We were pleased to see the announcements that have occurred over the last few months in terms of opening of the Australian border for us and international students. It was pretty tight in terms of timing. That's why I think we're seeing still a significant proportion of our students offshore. Hopefully we'll see them coming back through the semester. How are you sort of seeing students and staff bouncing back from what has been a uh, very traumatic for some and, uh, and challenging time for many? There are lots of discussions in all parts of our community around the, the mental health impacts of the pandemic. How are you sort of reading the situation, people coping longer term with what's happened, both from an education role but also from your professional expertise? It is going to take a while. We've just come through two years of uncertainty, of anxiety, of added stresses, being away from family and homeschooling and and a whole range of issues. I felt certainly from our staff, they were tired at the end of last year. They were really tired. But, you know, I worry about some of our early career academics, the impact particularly on female early career researchers, because that's where you come out of your PhD and there's a critical period where you're building your track record. A lot of the connections that you make in your field are through conferences and all of those things that we've taken for granted for so long. And many do work quite well through Zoom and other platforms, but it doesn't beat the face-to-face discussion and the networking opportunities. So I do really worry about that cohort. I worry about we've got some students who have spent the last two years studying online from home 
And this is the time of your life when we look back on our university experience of that whole experience and discovering new ideas and, in a sense, discovering what you stand for as a person through all of the things that you do at at university. There is a cohort of our young people who have missed that. I'm very keen to, as much as we can, ensure that as our students come back, that they're able to experience all of the things that sit around a very strong university experience. There's certainly uh, recovery time and catching up in all sorts of ways. With that, in terms of some of the, the opportunities or the positives that we can take away from that, what would be two or three things that you would say that uh, you've discovered things that you say, you know what, we can use that. That's a discovery that we can take into the future for good. We will now be much, much slicker in terms of what we can do online, what we need to travel uh, for, how we can use digital tools to just be more efficient in our workplace. I'm sure you're finding that at Oricon. You don't necessarily have to have everyone in the room. Some can be coming in remotely. And I just think that's going to make us more efficient workplaces, but also more accessible workplaces. It's almost become second nature. Look, why don't we just have a quick Zoom discussion on that? Or, you know, I don't have to fly to Sydney for Mm -hmm. a meeting. Let's do that online. That's better for our environment. It's better for our health. It's better for time management. I think you will get much better outcomes. But it's also better for people in our workforce for whom travel is difficult for you know, a range of reasons. I think we're already seeing signs that will stay with us, which Mm. is a good thing. The other one that I'm just keen to explore is for the actual physical campus itself. And given the circumstances of the last couple of years, what thoughts might you have had around, you know, how you could use the campus differently or parts of the campus differently? What this period has forced us to do, but we were going to have to do it anyway, is really understand the value add of the campus experience because there are some things that are part of education which it is actually better to perhaps do it online, be able to look at a a recorded lecture, to go back and check bits, use it for revision. But there are other things that our campuses are critical for and where we need to be putting more emphasis on. So, for instance, we're seeing more accommodation Uh, on our campus. In that environment, being able to take advantage of the sporting clubs and the other experiences on campus, that rich campus life, I think the residential facilities will become really important. I think we will see, as other sectors are seeing, our office area being utilised differently. And Mm -hmm. therefore, we need to make our campuses more permeable and accessible to industry partners, startups that are coming out of our research efforts, being co-located on campus. And I think we will see even more of that where you get the kind of environment that really facilitates the innovation precincts where people want to be associated with universities because there's lots of cool things that happen here and startups and other groups. We'll start using our infrastructure more for co-location with partners, et cetera as some of the other usage perhaps becomes less. Our library spaces are radically changing. Now, they were already radically changing. A library these days, not many books around, but there's lots of study spaces and there's lots of spaces 
where groups are interacting and working on problems. And I think that will just speed up. We're even seeing with a lot of our student facilities needing to put in lots of end of journey facilities, which traditionally weren't necessarily there as much as they need to be now. So a whole lot of things coming together. That's uh, very consistent with what we're seeing in different sectors, that uh, it's been a uh, catalyst to uh, really pose some some interesting questions and to um, reuse, reimagine and reinvent existing spaces. All of us are becoming very conscious of sustainability and looking at ways in which we can all reduce our carbon footprints, reusing facilities, thinking about adaptive reuse, creative reuse, Mm -hmm. rather than necessarily always rebuilding entirely. I mean, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And in terms of the whole concept of the circular economy and uh, not just demolishing things and building new things just for the sake of it, if it doesn't need to be done, it's a better sustainable outcome change of pace a little bit, but very much related. Are you starting to see research papers starting to be developed that have been looking at what has been happening over the last two years, both in terms of the medical side, but all of the social aspects of the pandemic and that we're starting to see theses and PhDs and things being written around this because if we weren't living in the middle of it, it's a fascinating thing to have looked at all of the different dimensions of it. Uh, Are you starting to see work happen in that regard? We certainly saw right through the pandemic. Our scientists, our health professionals, our researchers really being at the forefront of a lot of the commentary around what has been happening. But yes, a lot of that has been on the public health dynamics. Here at UQ, we had the big vaccine work. We've had university-based experts out there explaining everything from what does flattening the curve mean, the mathematics of social distancing. There's been lots of discussions on the dynamics of panic buying. What, in a sense, does that reflect? We are certainly seeing theses. We're seeing research in a lot of areas coming out, really looking at issues that arose, the mental health issues, the social isolation issues that emerged in many parts of our community, the understanding of public health responses. I think there will be many, many theses and research programs that will certainly continue into the future. If I take particularly the vaccine work here at UQ, that's not something that will stop. That's a critically important you know and I think what this is exposed is just how important it is that we continue all of that work but you know in so many of our our health areas but much more broadly I mean all of the issues around ventilation how do we design buildings or, or retrofit buildings with different ventilation systems I mean that's certainly been a big issue for our engineering faculties and a lot of interesting areas. Do you think the role and the, and the status of uh, researchers, um, scientists, academics has been enhanced, has been seen as the apolitical experts that people can rely on? I do. During the first 12 months of the pandemic, the big media monitoring group, Icentia, found that university experts were quoted or interviewed 
close to 70,000 times in media stories. And I think there's been a recognition of the expertise that does sit within our, our universities and our research institutions. And there's been a hunger for that expertise to be able to hear those views, to be able to have those voices as a core part of how the pandemic has been um, reported. I do think that researchers and university experts have been uh, a very trusted group. They remain trusted and, and certainly the data show that. But I think the visibility has added a sense of the value, the importance of our institutions. You took over as the Vice-Chancellor and uh, President uh, as this was all breaking out. Uh, what changes did you make in your leadership style and uh, how did you respond to leading in a very different way? Because, you know, for all of us as leaders, it uh, threw out the book in terms of how you would normally lead an organisation. What uh, did you discover and what do you reflect on some of the key changes that you made to successfully navigate the university through this? In a sense, it reinforced something that we all know in leadership positions, but just the importance of communication, the importance of clarity of message and the communication needing to be absolutely not delayed immediate as announcements were being made, in accessible language with uh, links to appropriate resources, just running critical incident teams and being able to stand them up quickly, have a really clear sense of what the group needs to do, clear agendas, working through the issues, getting communications out to the right level immediately and the empathy, I think, being able to acknowledge in large communities like ours, people are suffering how a pandemic impacts on big communities varies, you know, depending on your own family circumstances and people being separated from loved ones yeah. for months, years. And helping people through that uncertainty has certainly been uh, something that, uh, that I've reflected on. And in that environment, you couldn't over-communicate. But in some cases, being honest and sort of saying, I don't actually know the answer right now, but we'll get you an answer. We're on it. There was no playbook for this. You can be prepared, but you can't plan for this. It's just having that agile mindset to do with what comes is really what it came down to. Reflecting on this very important leadership role that you've taken at the University of Queensland through a, an unprecedented moment in history... Who has inspired you through your career that helped to inform you in terms of the role that you're having now? I did have the opportunity of working very closely with a colleague here when I was last at the University of Queensland who had a previous but very esteemed career in, in defence. And he did teach me that you just take it one step at a time, just deal with issues one step at a time, try and deal with them, don't overthink what might happen out there on the horizon. So that approach has certainly helped. I had great mentors for staying true to your mission. Uh, last year we launched our new strategic plan. It has really grounded for me and my colleagues, remembering that institutions like universities, we exist for the public good. Over the years I've had the opportunity to work with some wonderful people who are always grounded by that. Why do institutions like 
universities absolutely have to change. But at another level, we have to make sure that we do not move away from what we've always existed for, which is to, you know, educate and to research, but also to be important cornerstones of strong civic societies. And no more does that become a focus in during periods of great uncertainty. It's the strength of our our civic society, our democracies that are absolutely critical to the future and recognising the place that institutions like universities play in that. Mission and purpose are uh, are both very strong in giving you that uh, focus. So, uh, Debbie, um, really appreciate your time uh, and uh, the partnership that University of Queensland continues to have with Oricon and uh, you've been very generous with your your thoughts and uh, look forward to uh, being able to come and visit you in person next time I'm in Brisbane. Thank you very much. Likewise, and uh, really appreciate the strong partnership we have with Oricon and look forward to... Uh, that partnership continuing to strengthen into the future. And uh, it's been wonderful to talk with you, Bill, as always. We hope you gained some valuable insights from this discussion about the future of education in the new normal. If you enjoyed this episode of Engineering Reimagined, hit subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to follow Oricon on your favourite social media platform to stay up to date and join the conversation. Until next time... Thanks for listening.